All right, uh, don't have much voice this morning, so the good news is for you, I can't go very long. So my son Kate said, just turn everybody loose, they'll love you forever. I'm not going to quite do that, but I'll, I'll keep it brief. First Peter 3 really tackles what this place is all about. Set apart in your hearts Christ Jesus as Lord. Being ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason concerning the hope that you have, yet with meekness and fear. And really what Peter has been talking about in this context is the very real challenges that the people who were living the Christian life right then in the first century were enduring. They were going through persecution, and he's telling them it's really all worthwhile. This is the good life. It's good, it's true, it's beautiful. People have been wrestling with a vision for life that would be appropriate enough to sustain a a really good, true, and beautiful life since the beginning of time. Certainly, Plato and Aristotle wrestled with those questions. And Peter wrestles with that. and, And so he says to these early believers who were going through such a difficult time, Make Jesus Lord of your hearts. And then it's this compelling thing that, that you would live such a winsome life that people would actually ask you what it is about you. Why do you, why do, you do what you do? We've been thinking for the last 18 months in these chapels, for the last year and a half, about why. What's your why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? And then how do you do that? What does that actually look like? And I think this is the quintessential text that says on a lot of levels, it really is pretty subjective. What works for Dr. Holly may not work for me. What works for Dr. Mills may not work for me. I was reminded of that this Christmas break when I had a phenomenal conversation with two of my sons. I've got three, two of them were there. And I always say the myth of quality time is that you can schedule it. You can't. You know, people say, I don't spend quantity time with my kids, but I spend quality time with them. Baloney. <laughs> the reality is quality time shows up unannounced. And for me, it showed up on an, an evening when two of my sons wanted to talk and I wanted to go to bed. <laughs> but I stayed up because I knew it was about to get to the good stuff. And they started talking about What a hard time it is to live right now. And you students, I feel for you. You're, you know, every generation maybe says it, but this is a really hard time to to be a Jesus follower with all the challenges that are there with technology and everything else. It's very hard. And then we get talking about the, the, the... the beliefs that resonated with them, I was, I was moved to find out that one of my sons, not the one here, but the, another one, was particularly moved by the faith of the apostles. I didn't know that that held so much weight in his own belief system. He said, we ought to talk about more of the fact that of those original 13, that, that all but perhaps one were martyred. We think John was the one that was never martyred. Perhaps all the others were martyred. And he said, that's compelling to me. Because why would you, why would you give up your life if you knew it was a lie? These men believed it was true. 
And they gave everything they had to that, and that carries weight for him. You're ready always to give an answer for the reason of the hope that you have. It's subjective. For me, it's, it's maybe the way I'm wired. I've always been really moved by the, the beauty of the life of Jesus himself, the, the compelling nature of this man and the way he interacted with other people. I love the way it's captured and chosen. I just am so moved by that video series. But I particularly also like the, the pure genius the pure genius of the Jesus teachings. And I say, along with Dallas Willard, he's the greatest moral teacher this world has ever known. Nobody else even comes close. And that's compelling to me. Try, try if you will, to improve on. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Just try. Try to improve on. Love one another as I have loved you. Try to get better than that. Try to improve on. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And what God has joined together, let not man separate. The whole idea that God created one man and one woman for a life together. And when you see it actually lived out, like I got to see it in my own life for 66 years in a, a marriage where in my home, I never had to worry about mom and dad splitting up. It's a beautiful thing. Try to improve on love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Try to improve on this counterintuitive, almost ridiculous sounding way that if you want to follow me, Jesus said, then the way to do it is to deny yourself daily. Take up your cross. Nail yourself to the cross daily. Deny yourself. You don't live for you. You live for others. That's the good life. And the only way to know if that's true is to try it. And I can tell you by the little bit that I have, it's absolutely true. But I've got an advantage on some of you, and I will acknowledge that. The old line, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I got to see, in my own life, a particularly good, true, and beautiful life lived by a woman I want to tell you just a little bit about in just a few moments. But I read in this same chapter of First Peter where Peter wrote, Wives, oh my goodness, this is so politically incorrect. But listen to what he said. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. I had the unique blessing of witnessing a genuinely beautiful woman who was my mother, who was born on July 18, 1937, and died just this past October 17th, 2021. She lived those 84 years, married to a man for 66 of them. And her whole life, she believed in God. But in the spring of 1963, 58 years ago, she made a very real commitment 
because there was a young man who just happened to be a Christian college graduate who came to their little town in western Pennsylvania and shared the good news of Jesus with my dad and her. And they both put Christ on in baptism in the spring of 1963. And for her, for her it took. She actually believed all this stuff and lived like she believed it, which meant that when dad wrestled with his lifelong dream of doing ministry, and that meant leaving a really good career as a metallurgical engineer and a lot of money, she didn't blink. They cut their income in half, and they started planting churches. And it meant for her that she'd have to sell a lot of her possessions. She'd have to downsize in her house. She'd have to go to work. And there weren't a whole lot of options for a woman with just a high school education in western Pennsylvania and the economically depressed late 70s. And so she worked as a nurse's aide and emptied bedpans so that her five kids could go to a Christian college. And they paid that tuition out of the sacrifice that she made. And that's part of why I am here before you, because I, I knew a beautiful woman who believed it all to be true and who lived a beautiful life. Now, Eileen Boulevard has nothing to do <laughs> with Eileen McDowell, except that for me it does. And on that day, a couple of years ago, whenever it was February pre-COVID, and Bill Bundy and the crew had done a search and they decided to bring me in. But there was one last hurdle to climb. And that was the meeting with the full board. And, you know, it was mine to lose. And I could very easily lose it. <laughs> and I made the trip over here to a fairly unfamiliar Lubbock and turned on to Eileen Boulevard. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be just fine. And on that day in October and then a few days later when I did her eulogy and I think about this woman who lived a beautiful life and the separation is true and the separation is there. But I believe it's going to be just fine because she lived a beautiful life. I leave you with the words from William Golden from 1918. The only life that will endure is one that's kind and good and pure. And so for God, I'll take my stand. Each day, I'll lend a helping hand. Have a great day.